We are talking, as Steve mentioned, about character, and um, this is this is just a great series, uh, and I'm excited about it on a, on a number of different levels. That song, I think, just brings us to a great introduction of it. Um, let me just kind of quickly give you a preview of this, okay? Because it's it's there's some there's some cool stuff here. Next week, Clay's going to be speaking, and he's going to speak on um, uh, character in relationships and uh, talk about friendships. And, and, you know, and he's really going to take you and show you some things. I don't want to give it away, but he'll give you some things, show you some people in the Bible who are friends and, and what true friendship really is and how, how character is reflected in that in terms of relationship. It's pretty good stuff. It's really good stuff. So um, that's next week. Um, and then on the 17th, we're going to talk about character in defeat. First of all, if you have great character, is there defeat in your life? Failure. Well, we're going, to, we're going to look at that and how a person of character faces that and uh, some pretty heavy, 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 heavy-duty stuff. Um, 24th, we're going to talk about character under fire. Three guys who, uh, in the Bible who, who were very strong within their faith, and it's, it's going to cost them. And uh, their faith, literally, and their character is going to be put uh, through the fire. And uh, we're going to see that. It's going to be... Uh, very interesting. You, you might be able to relate to that as well uh, with, with what some of you deal with every day. Um, and then on the 31st, character at home. I'm going to take you to a passage in the Bible or several passages in the Bible that, that, that really talk about um, a guy that is pretty highly uh, venerated in the Scripture, high, of high esteem, and yet uh, had some issues with his kids. Can you relate? Well, maybe so. Um, Pretty interesting stuff. Character at home. How does it? How does it work? And how is that? How does that reflect it? And then on the first, which is Super Bowl Sunday. Two things we know about the Super Bowl: a, the Giants ain't going to be in it, and b, my team, the Broncos, ain't going to be in it either. Okay, so yeah, we we do know that. So we probably uh, we'll know more about the Jets later today, probably. But uh, anyway, we and and prefacing what is the greatest Super Bowl party in the New York area, which happens right here at uh, 5 or 6 o'clock on the Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, that morning, I'm going to talk about character in terms of self-awareness. And there's two things. That it's really some important stuff there. And I hope you can uh, mark your calendars to be here for that as well, because it's very important. So, there we go. Now, today... I'm talking about getting to the heart of character. I want, it's just really sort of a foundational type of thing. And um, some would say that there is a crisis in the loss of character in our culture. And uh, I don't think you have to go too far. I started reading just in the last couple of days, just, just thinking about this in some of the newspapers and some of the New York newspapers about different things that you might get that idea. I mean, you, you start reading about, you know, Ponzi scheme upon Ponzi scheme. And you start reading about adultery. You start reading about more adultery. Seems to be sort of the sin de jour, as they say. Um, and then you start reading about prostitution. And then you start reading about murder. And then you start reading about uh, guns and NBA locker rooms. I mean, that's a normal thing, isn't it? I mean, I hear they do that at Canoebrook all the time. But um, <laughs> so, just kidding, Canoebrook members. Um, um, it, it, but I mean, and you start, you, you just go through all this. I know some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking right now, you've been reading the New York Post, haven't you? I know, I know. I, um, 
whatever newspaper you read, whatever media outlet you want to watch, um, there's no question, I think, that most of us would agree that there is a crisis, a crisis of the loss and the loss of character in our culture. So today, I want to get just really right to what it means to get to the heart of character. How does it look? How does it affect me? And how's it going to be lived out by me? So I'm going to talk about that. And I want to begin with some, some, just some thoughts from different people, great uh, thinkers and so forth. One, one great philosopher of the ancients, as we like to say, and one of, um, um, a modern philosopher um, from America. So we'll do a, the first one, Aristotle. You, gotta look what, you always got to look at what Aristotle says. Aristotle says, as we, are, we are what we re- repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. A great American philosopher put it this way. Excellence is not a singular act, but a habit. You are what you repeatedly do. (laughs) Nine o'clock service didn't get it. They did not get it. (laughs) Shaquille O'Neal, did you ever hear of him? No. I just threw that in for the fun of it. Uh, it is actually a real quote from him, just, just, just for the heck of it. You know, it's funny, you talk about the NBA and redefining what it means to run and gun and all the other kind of stuff, but, but uh, the, the, uh, Charles Barkley, who was always one of my favorites, uh, yeah, played at Auburn University and played in the NBA, now he's an announcer, and he's a very quotable guy, I remember. He's been under, a, you know, I don't know his character, I've met him one time, but I, he, he's been under... He's been accused of different things by a number. I don't know whether any of it's true or not. But uh, at one point, uh, he was accused of something by somebody. And, and he said, <laughs> I'll never forget him saying this. He said, I was going to sue for defamation of character, but then I realized I have no character. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's uh, uh, unfortunately true for some people. At least, they, at least they can be authentic about it. But... Uh, some real people, some real writers, Stephen Covey, Covey put it this way, our character is basically a composite of our habits because they are consistent. I like often unconscious patterns. They constantly, daily express our character. I, the, the often unconscious patterns. That's our character. All that says basically what a great preacher in the 1800s uh, Phillips Brooks said, character may be manifested in the great moments, but it's made in the small ones. There's a little piece of prose that uh, nobody knows who wrote, but it really describes what we're talking about here. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. And it's amazingly true. And that's where I want us to really stop and just take a couple of minutes, a few minutes this morning, just to stop and, and just think about that for a little bit. Reflect on that. Because character happens, as I understand it, character happens when one's heart is rightly focused on Christ. And that drives your behavior. 
That drives your behavior. And it comes from understanding a truth and, and understanding truth that leads to meaningful living. And truth, as I'm speaking of, is truth from the Bible. Some say, some say well, all truth is, is relative. Well, not really. Some truth is, but not when we're talking about the biblical truth of, of living and, and, and of faith. And you can say, well, well you know, I, I could argue with you that certain things about the Bible may not be accurate about science or about this or about that. And, and that's a discussion I would love to have because I think it does. But I'm not going to, that's something I'm not going to really, that's not a hill I'm going to die on. All right? That's fine. Let's just talk about what it does say that, that we do agree is, is real. Things like love your neighbor as yourself. Things like trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Let's just talk about those basic things. Because that's really where character is developed and how it happens. And sometimes, and I want to be careful with this because I don't want to judge, but sometimes people, will have a, sometimes people have a real crisis of faith. But sometimes they say they're having a crisis of faith when really what they want to do is just simply change their behavior. And in order to do that, they're going to go against the behavior that they have believed for a long time was, was wrong. And therefore, instead of just saying, I'm going to do something wrong, oh, I'm, I'm, ch- I'm having a crisis of faith. And they sometimes will rationalize it that way. And, and uh, that's something that needs to be thought of as well. But having character, and this is the important truth here, I think, having character is being bound by a moral compass that is calibrated by God and His truth, and it comes through a relationship, a connection with Christ. It's an important statement. I want to say that again. Having character is being bound by a moral compass that is calibrated by God and His truth. And that comes through a relationship with Christ. And here's the thing. And I realize things, things have... I'm going to talk about a moral compass for a minute because some people say, well, I'm just following my moral compass and that may take me somewhere where you're not. That's why I said calibrated by God and His truth. I have a compass. I have a compass on my iPhone, actually. I do. Um, and it works, and I've used it before. Um, and I didn't have to do all things. But back in the day, and I don't know if it still works this way because the only compass I have is on my iPhone. But back in the day, when I was in the Army, 1960, I don't know when it was, 1969 or 70, somewhere in there, 1970, I think, um, they would put us out in this little drill and uh, in the middle of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And if you don't know where that is, it's called Fort Lost in the Woods, and it's like that. Uh, it's just in the middle of nowhere. And I, um, the, it, this reminded me, this whole thing reminded me of this. I forgot, I had got the worst dressing down that I'd ever gotten. I'd gotten a lot of them in the Army. I mean, I was uh, always getting something. And, and, um, and that's just mainly because I was just kind of messing with the guys a little bit. But um, I, they put you in buddies. And my buddy wasn't, um, this sounds terrible, but he was, he was challenged a little bit in terms of some of, the, uh, some of the smarter things of life. Not that I'm a brilliant scholar or anything, but I mean, I knew how to do a compass and stuff. And so, so the drill sergeant was looking for me to, to make sure this thing happened. And so, yeah, they put you in the woods and say, okay, you got to find your way out of here. And here's the compass. And, um, and he looked at me, the, the, the sergeant did, and said, okay, make this thing happen. I said, All right, no problem. I'm not a country boy. I knew how to do this stuff. Well, I ended up in some place I wasn't supposed to end up. <laughs> And I said, I follow my compass. And then he said, but did you calibrate it? And I'm like, oh, crap. Um, In those days, you had to calibrate them a certain way, and I didn't do that. 
Because you see, it, that's why I ended up, you know, west, and I was supposed to end up east. Totally the opposite. So that happens with people many times today. When I talk about a moral compass, that's why, well, I'm just following my moral compass. That's taking me somewhere. That moral compass needs to be calibrated by God and the truth of God and, and, and how he tells us how to live life. And only can come with, through a relationship with Christ and, and understand what the Bible teaches about life and, and, and stuff. So, so that's why I think that's so important. So I want to just, I want to get us to think about that. And as you do, I, I want to really talk to you about this, this, I'm going to use a phrase here that it's going to, it's a, it's a biblical phrase and you don't hear it used very often if you're not in church. And even if you're in church, a lot of churches, you would never hear this phrase used, but we're going to, we're going to talk about this, um, Learning to have, here's the phrase, uh, having a heart for God. Having a heart for God. Um, and we're going to learn about that. And we're going to learn about that from one particular individual in the Scripture. And I'm going to show you where I got this phrase in just a minute. Because um, it comes from the Bible. I didn't make it up. We're going we're to talk about that. And, and maybe you don't know much about this guy uh, that we're going to learn. His name is David. But, but this is a guy who wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. Let's see. Short list. Um, he lied. He deceived. Um, he's kind of an egomaniac at times. He murdered. He um, I committed adultery. Did I forget that? No. He uh, committed a few other things. Um, cheated, pride, selfish, manipulated, fornication, anger, abusive at times. Say, oh. I know him. Um, yeah, my point is not that he made, not that he was a horrible person because he wasn't. A lot of it had to do with where he lived, the culture that he lived in. But this is this is a guy. You're going to be surprised what God says about him. He was not perfect. Is my point. He was not perfect. Now he didn't do anything you and I haven't done. You say, "Well, I've never killed anybody." Well, maybe you haven't. But have you not had that thought? Yeah. Bible tells us if you hate somebody, it's the same as wishing they weren't there. I don't know what you call that, but uh, that's not good. So let me take you to a couple, just, I just want to show you these very quickly, passages in the Bible. Uh, the first one comes from 1 Samuel. <coughs> and this is, uh, we're going to just take a peek into this. Samuel, Samuel is um, sort of the, the preacher to the president. There's a book out, by the way, called preacher, The Preacher and the President's. It's about Billy Graham. I've, I've listened to the book. Uh, I listen to a lot of books when I'm working out. And um, not enough, I know, but I need to listen to more. Um, and, uh, but it's a great book. It's I highly recommend it. It's called The Preacher, and it goes into the, a lot of the background of Billy Graham and where he has been and, and so forth with the president. So, well, a guy named Samuel in the Old Testament was a lot like that. He was sort of the preacher, the prophet, they called it then, uh, or priest, to um, the, the kings. So he is confronting the first king of Israel. His name is Saul, King Saul. Okay? And he's confronting him because King Saul, who was ordained as the king by Samuel on behalf of God, um, Saul is acting in ways that are not only inappropriate, but that are flat out disobedient to God. Samuel, the preacher, is confronting him on that. And he's got a pretty un encouraging message for him. And look, here it is in 1 Samuel chapter 13. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, 
the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. The Lord, here it is, here it is. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. There's that phrase. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. That phrase, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Now he's talking about the next king. Now his name is David. Flash forward a few, a few years, he comes to David's family. Samuel at this point doesn't know who it is. He just knows this king is coming from Jesse's family, Jesse and his tribe. Uh, and so he goes to Jesse's family in Bethlehem. And uh, he's looking at all, all David's brothers. David's the youngest of them, and he wasn't a, a tall, good-looking guy. He was ruddy uh, in appearance and uh, sort of rugged. He was a shepherd. So he's not looking, Samuel's looking for who is, who is this, and he's trying to listen at this particular time. He could listen to God, and he's listening to God. And here's what happens. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. We have a tendency, and interesting, we have a tendency to look at the, the taller, good-looking ones, men or women, you know. Look at the last several presidents. Most of them were tall. You know, and um, you, you just, it's just kind of the way life is. If you're tall, you've got a little bit of an advantage. You've got a little bit of an advantage going for you. Doesn't mean there aren't short, successful people, because there are many. But uh, this is what's happening in this culture. Uh, we're told earlier on in this particular book that, that King, Sam, King Saul, excuse me, King Saul was, was, was designated so because the people saw him and he, he stood ahead above everybody else. Oh, yeah, he'd be, he'd be a great king. He's got, he looks good and talks good and all the other stuff. You know, that's great. And God is saying to Samuel as he's choosing God's king, he says, don't look at all that. I just want to say one thing, just, just, by, just by way of observation of this text, and, and it, this is tough, but be careful with this judging by appearance. Be careful when TV comes on and, and, or, or the newspaper and says, so-and-so did this and did this, and, and you know this, but you just need to hear this from somebody else. Just be careful with making judgments about people. You don't know. I mean, I've been in the position, because of being a, a minister, uh, uh, more than one, uh, several times, I've been in the position where I've heard people say something about somebody else, maybe in the congregation, maybe in the community, that, that I happen to know, and, and, and that I happen to really know what went on with some, some, some details of some stuff. And of course, I can't talk about that. And, and I will hear sometimes somebody say, well, so-and-so over there, and, you know, he did this and he did this, and I'm sitting here biting my lip, because I'm not going to say anything, I'm just, that's just... I'm not going to do that, even if it's to their, even if it's to defend them, because you just, just that's just unethical. You don't do that. So many times I just want to say you don't have a freaking clue what the heck you're talking about. You know, sorry, I'll usually say the other. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't say that, but I think I just shut up and usually walk away. But so many times I've been in that position. Maybe you've been in that position too with friends or something where somebody just goes on and on about gossip or something. You know, like you, you really don't have a clue. Be careful about that. You hear something, you read something, 
maybe even see something. And you just kind of go, oh, man, and you start making judgments. That's a, that's a slippery slope. And that's, that doesn't lead anywhere good. So Samuel, Samuel is told by the Lord, hey, listen, don't, God looks at something much, much deeper. The Lord looks at the heart. Now, I'm going to take you one more passage. Acts chapter 13, New Testament. David is still being talked about in the New Testament. As the, the author here, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is, is writing about this. In Luke, excuse me, Acts chapter 13, he says this, Then the people begged for a king. He's recounting the history of Israel. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a, son of the tri- a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David. Here it is. A man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse. Um, here it is, that phrase again. A man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Well, he didn't really do everything God wanted him to do because God didn't want him to... to Commit adultery with another man's wife and didn't want him to have that husband then put to death. But when God looked at his whole life, he didn't look at this one particular sin or this one particular sin or this one particular sin. He looked at, at, the, at the character of the man. I find that very encouraging. Because I got a few hiccups and sinkholes along the way. I find that so encouraging. We all do. So the question comes down to how does one become a person, this, this phrase, this interesting phrase, a person after God's heart. Interesting phrase. I would never have come up with that. And I got to tell you, this is, a hard, this is a hard subject here because it's a lot easier for me to tell you what it's not than what it is. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not, it's not about activity. That'd be easy, wouldn't it? Okay, just do this, do this, do this, do this. Boom. Good. I, I can do that. It's not about activity. It's not about personality. Well, I can change my personality. I'll get me a good psychiatrist or a good psychologist and we'll get this personality thing fixed and then I'll be a man after, I'll be a man after God's heart. Well, that, we can do that. Certainly nothing wrong with good psychology, but not for that particular purpose. You know, it's not about a formula. I can follow a formula. You can follow a formula. Tell you what it is. It's about diligence. It's about intentionality. It's about discipline. It's about praying. It's about hanging with the right people. It's about perseverance. Mostly, it's about trust. Mostly, it's about that verse. We introduced last week as our verse of the year. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Our heart, our heart is revealed by our character. And our character comes from that moral compass calibrated by God through a relationship with Christ. That's how it happens. That's how it comes. And oftentimes, God uses the disappointments and the changes in life to bring that about. I want to tell you something. I'm a minister. have been so for 30-some years. And all my life, I've tried to get away from this concept. All my life, I've tried to get away from trusting God. I want to do it myself. 
That's true for all of them. I mean, I say it, but, you know, in, in practice, I, oh, yeah. all my life, I try, keep trying to trust myself, and you fall flat on your face, and you're like, oh, gosh, God, I've got to trust you. I can't, I just, you know. And that's, that's exactly the concept he's trying to get us to understand here. And oftentimes through change and through, through trauma and through, through tough times, is, that's how he teaches us. That's how, that's how we learn. That's how we, that's how, you know, that's when our character is revealed. Mm-hmm. Helen Keller, the great uh, person of faith and certainly was blind, but she said this, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. I could tell you a lot of stories. I'll tell you one. It's affected, it's affected us, uh, Charlene and I, pretty uh, dramatically this year. Had a friend. The first church that I served in, which was a long time ago. I've only served three churches. Um, and, and the first one was six years in, in Birmingham, Alabama. Roll Tide. And, um, <clears throat> sorry. Last time I said Roll Tide here, nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> Because you're all a bunch of Giants fans. Anyway, um, Birmingham, Alabama, young, young couple, really young lady first, my age, but I was young, um, started coming and started telling us about her, her husband, and I sort of pursued him. He and I became friends, played a lot of golf together, and um, he started coming to church and eventually came to faith. Um, they started having a couple more kids, and I had the privilege of dedicating both of those, uh, all three of their kids, to Christ and to God. And then I learned um, through a whole bunch of different things this this year that their middle son Clay had gone to Iraq, Marine, and uh, got gotten back from Iraq early this year. A lot of stuff going on in his mind that has often happens among some of those guys that, that deal with the, that are in the combat. Zones, particularly, he, dr- he drove a Humvee. And without going into great detail, and I'll cry uh, um, if I do, um, in August and July, he took his life. And I found out, and Alan and I talked, and we've been talking. Talked to him, called him on, on Veterans Day. I said, I want to thank you. You paid more than most of us will ever understand. But he, but he told me this, and, and, and they've, they've been now, they have gotten very active in the Wounded Warrior stuff and some of those programs that are helping guys that, and ladies who come out of combat and uh, just have been affected traumatically. And, uh, it, and, and have they had some dark nights? Yes, they have. Have they had some questions about their faith? Yes, they have. But here's the issue, because the character was there. And has been and has been there, and, and that heart was there that has been being developed by God. They're able, they're able now to help. They're reaching out to others. Alan talked to Alan recently. He's like, yeah, I still cry every day. I still cry every day. I said, I said I do every time I think about it. And, and, and so when we start thinking about what character is, I mean, Helen Keller, I just cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering. Now, what are you saying to me, Rich? Are you saying, I'm going to, listen, I'm not saying you're going to have to experience that. God forbid. 
Some of you have already been through some stuff, and some of you are or will be in terms of, of, of jobs and careers and, 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 and financial situations. And you say, well, are you comparing the two? I'm not comparing the two, but I will tell you this. When you're talking to somebody who doesn't know exactly how he's going to support his family in the next year or two, um, it's pretty freaking traumatic, right? So, and, and somehow, if we learn how to, to get this moral compass directed and, and, and set on, and, and, and calibrated by God in a relationship with Christ, somehow we're able to, to, to get through some of these things. And we're able to get through with developing character that was, that's going to affect our heart that will be directed toward God. Doesn't mean there won't be pain, and it doesn't mean there won't be tears, and it doesn't mean it won't be hard as hell sometimes. Excuse me. But it is. One becomes a person after God's own heart as they allow their character to be developed by God Almighty in a relationship through Christ. That's where we start. And it takes diligence and intentionality and discipline and prayer and hanging out with some people that can help me and perseverance. But mostly it's about trust. Trust in God. Ask Him to... That's the thing about it. We have to ask God to even give us that trust. And He will. He will. Let's pray together right now. God, we um, are tremendously desirous, I certainly am, and I know many people here are, of having a heart, as the words in the Bible say, a heart for God, for you. Well, we can't do that. We're fallen people, and you know we're very fallen. But we know you can do that in our lives as you give us and develop in us that kind of character and heart that comes through a relationship with our Lord, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you have done, for how you have given us that opportunity and that access to Almighty God. We thank you for that. We thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, and your love. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.